behind the schemes. Uh, behind the schemes, right. So yeah. insanity. It's beautiful. It's like that with more splatter. Now what the fuck am I supposed to do? Speaking of swords, pull yours out because I'm getting damned. Whoa, what's the deal with this? You just got to keep pulling it out and sticking it in until she's full of cavity fluid. <sighs> this is for like level 10 foreplay. Please leave. I need privacy. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> this show is behind the shem shemmers. Yes, it seems. That gives you a choice. Either put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. Yeah, it's a nasty scheme. You maniac! What is a man? What is BTS? When we are successful, we will be. We have a real chance of this. Your patience is wearing thin. Okay. Hi, this is Bill Hicks. Uh, happy Halloween to everybody. Uh, we're calling, uh, we're taking callers in hell tonight. We're in hell. We've been in hell for quite a while, setting up this project. And uh, we're taking callers and we're going to have a great show for you. And, and I hope your Halloween is spooky and, and exciting and, and frightening, just like when you were a little kid. And uh, we're going to take callers. So let's take our first caller now. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, Bill. I see uh, you're in hell. Is it a... Is that an unusual place to be there? Well, uh, uh, hell is very unusual. First of all, the first thing I noticed was that uh, the entire cast, the writers, and the producers of the show Full House are here, and they're not even dead yet. So I don't know what that means. Um, you know what I found really unusual is how broad the standards are that will lead you to hell. For instance, uh, people that sneeze on airplanes. They go to hell. Man, I never did that. Yeah. People that take left turns in traffic are all going to hell. Did you know that? I believe that. It, yeah. Isn't that weird, though? Um, non-smokers. Everyone here is a non-smoker, which is very ironic. <laughs> they didn't know they had that coming to them, did they? Makes me feel better. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. And you know, 99% of the people in hell, you know who they are? Christians. Christians? Christians. They're the ones, it's their concept. They're the only ones that believe in it. So they came to it. That makes sense. It does. If it does, if you think about it at all. Question authority. Always question authority and demand the truth. It's been great talking with you. And I'm going to stay here as long as there's callers. We have Kevin and David coming up. And we got more shows from Sacred Cow Productions. 
and Jack is going to be with you all night long. It's all right, really. You know what? Hell ain't so bad when you got nice people calling you. One, two, three, go. It's episode one, two, three of Behind the Schemes for October 30th, 2022. And representing the other 1% of hell, this is Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast where half of us are now knights. My name is Lavish. Damn, yeah, man. Holy shit. I, we just have to immediately stop and give a hearty congratulations to John and Adam. Not only through getting uh, through all of those donations today and all the nightings, but uh, congratulations on 15 years. That's right. And uh, a buck and a half K episodes in the basket. Very, yeah, very cool. Yeah, very legal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Adam, nice work on those nightings, dude. <laughs> that was impressive to, to watch. Truly the work of the Podfather. Should we give him a standing ovation? Yes, why not? Yeah, it's very sloppy. <laughs> yep. Quite uh, delightful. So much love. It's awesome. So good. Yes. Uh, anyway, you are listening to, as uh, Sir Booberry said, episode one, two, three of Behind the Schemes. We are usually live every Monday night at 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. But today, we're following the the great no agenda. Yeah, the best podcast in the universe. Oh, we already got goats being sacrificed. That was a boostergram that just came through uh, from Servo6666 Sats. says, Goot. (laughs) Is that a slur? (laughs) Oh, you can't say that anymore, Servo. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to go back and uh, bleep that out. And they start the show just by killing goats. That's right. 6666 Sats, you can slaughter yourself a goat. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so good juicy mm, and juicy it's a little wet oh yeah it's <laughs> gonna be damp day mm. <laughs> it's so damp <laughs> you know it is mischief night I'm, I'm pretty sure that a few goats aren't going to see the morning yeah goats kimps we got it all man hammers you could <laughs> insert this hammer into people for 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 pleasure pelosied <laughs> yeah there we go that's the uh <laughs> The new word of 2023, Pelosi. Hey, I got a loose nail here. I got to Pelosi this in. Can you get my toolbox? (laughs) Sit down. What? (laughs) Sit down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, we just had another another boost of goat from uh, Rhizome uh, Rhizome Ryan saying, pour that blood all over my lap. Mm. Yep. That shall be done. No problemo. Mm. Juicy. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. The well, new PBR. Yeah, it's a it's a special edition Sunday episode of Behind the Schemes, and uh, the way we like to start these shows off uh, every Monday night, seven thirty, nine thirty, ten thirty Eastern, respectively. We always start with a little goat action and a little tarot action. We'll we'll come back to this goat. It, it's not going to go anywhere. Neither. Or that one either. That one's not going anywhere. Juicy. None of these goats are going anywhere. <laughs> uh, maybe Except just going, to the pile. Yeah, I was going to say the, <laughs> the pile, yeah. Yeah. Which, by the Juicy. way, is beautiful these days. Beautiful mm. pile. You know how uh, things start to expand? I had, uh, a, I had a tape measure on. in here last night, one of those uh, soft tape measures. Oh, we're, yeah. Okay. We're, we're getting some real growth. 
Oh my. Yeah. And uh it's um carve it up. Yeah. We're gonna have to pop those at some point. <laughs> Good lord. I know. <laughs> Not looking forward to it. Well, you know. Uh we got a tarot card from the Line Strider deck, uh, which is a beautiful sort of watercolor tarot deck. Uh, a lot of the imagery is based off of uh, animals and nature and whatnot. And tonight's tarot card is the reversed two of wands, which I'm kind of partial to the, to the wand suit anyway. So I'm, I'm excited about this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The wands is, is a, a groovy suit sweet to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, some general keywords about the, more goats. <laughs> about the so goats. little time. Um, uh, no, uh, general keywords about the line strider. Uh, investments, independence, long-term plans, foundation, travel, home, new projects, or businesses. Um, and a brief descriptor. On the two of Juan's line strider, Juicy. the hair places one foot on a small orb representing worlds, adventures, and opportunities. This card talks about the toddlers of new projects or business, travel, and fertility. The card is about speaking out and finding your voice or making your own path. It is also time to set longer term goals and plans and start investing in future successes by Bitcoin, whether in the form of new projects uh, by Bitcoin or business relationship uh, or family. Mm-hmm. Good planning, uh, making uh, being decisive, also leaving your comfort zone. These are the general uh, meanings of two of wands. And then the reversed would be uh, having trouble doing that stuff. Bad planning, not taking action, playing it safe. Not getting a, um, not getting like a stable foot out the door. Yeah, not taking the initiative where it could be taken. It's, it's woobly, wobbly. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, this, uh, the, the card traditionally has a sort of wanderer heading off with the world in their hands. They have a staff on the ground and a staff in there in the air uh kind of representing duality representing making decision and then the wand is usually it usually represents motivation it represents inspiration it represents uh drive and and something from within you creating and you're manifesting things into the world yeah and it makes sense with the two two poles it's a it's a gateway gateway imagery yes, exactly Stepping into new territory. And uh, two points, you know, a, a given sense of direction, but also a unit, a, a unit of distance, which to, which you must traverse. Yeah, you can start measuring things with two points. Whoa. That's, that's right. <laughs> Bang. Oh, I just blew my own mind. <laughs> it's just math, brother. Oh, I, my. I, look at me. Look at me. I'm a math man now. <laughs> Uber the math man. Uh, I, I got a, an additional message from the line strider. I, I'm reading all of this from tarox.net, by the way. The two cards in every minor suit usually refer to balance. You need to stay stable in every way you can, even ordinary mundane things like dieting properly and getting enough rest. Uh, these will be very helpful to you during this time. The two of wands line strider also often implies a partnership with another person, be it professional or personal or both. In general, Two of Wands reminds us to always keep the sense of giving and taking for every successful relationship. If you feel like things are out of balance for the moment, rest assured that they will gradually improve for the better. Focus on what you're looking for and 
keep or seek positivity. Oh, yeah. nice. A nice positive card. I like it. And goodness knows some of those cards aren't very positive, so it's always nice when you get a good one. Mm, indubitably. And if you want to check out that tarot card, it's uh, posted at the top of our show notes, which you can find over at zosascorner.substack.com. That's right, all of our uh, show notes and slash newsletter is maintained through Substack. And if you subscribe over there, which it's uh, it's free, just like this show is on the value for value model, uh, you can get the the episode weeks to week show notes emailed to you. Indeed. Uh, we got graphics, we got references, as he said. If you just go to Zoso's Corner, that's Z-O-S-O-S corner.substack.com. And this is episode one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh we really enjoy making them. And we got some fun pictures of a uh, uh of a gift that uh, I was recently mailed, and we'll we'll talk about that in the second second half of show. But um mm, a mailed gift. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Consider it a Oh. Hey, little oh, guy. Someone it. was feeling very generous. They wanted to put the goat back together. Yeah, if you boost 99.99, you can boost a goat back together. That's right. <laughs> Go on, get out of here, little guy. Yeah, back back of the line for you, buddy. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, uh-huh. See, the pile doesn't have to keep all of them people. Ninety nine, ninety nine sets, and you can glue a goat back together today. You know, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that we're followers of Crowley per se, but we can definitely appreciate as above, so below. You can give, you can take, just like the Two of Wands was talking about right there. As you Indeed. mercilessly slaughter a goat, you can uh, mercifully put the goat back together. Mm-hmm. This is the duality of life, people. Yeah, it's very deep. Yes. So quiet. Oh my. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, and as Bully so two wands walk into a bar. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, Bully fine. Steed said that boost ninety nine ninety nine mischief night spook dot social. Thank you via fountain. Yeah, that's uh, it's a that's sort Dan of Bully Steed. A sort of a recent addition. We set up a Mastodon account through Prometheus.Systems, and you can uh, sign up for free. It's spook.social. It's a Mastodon account where you can glow post, and uh, everything that you do, you're just going to be subverting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, don't be scared. Don't be spooked. Go ahead and glow and subvert all, all you wish at spook.social. Yeah, very cool, very legal. Lots of fun things going on over there. Um, oh, hey. Oh, Sir Spencer also wanted to put a goat back together. $99.99. Yeah. Says, Christ knows you're going to need some more of them, so here's another goat assembly. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we Juicy. don't want to run out by any means. <laughs> yeah, the herd is pretty thin these days, I have to say. Maybe we can we get We're priding ourselves, but man. Well, I'm sure it'll all come out millhouse. Yes. Uh, we got the uh, badradio.live. That's where our stream and uh, our chat room link is for Kiwi. Uh, or if you use your own IRC client, you can do uh, irc.zeronode.net, hashtag greenroom. That's where all the best of Freaks of Hazards hang out. Uh, there's people in there every day hanging out. Uh, you can draw tarot cards. You'll see the boostograms as they come through, show you little images of uh, what's going down in here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, that's a lot of goats. And it's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. 
Although Sir Spencer and Bully Steve just packed the blood back in pretty nicely to those goats. Yeah, I got to figure out where they get that, that squeegee from. I like it. it mm. It's a very tight squeegee. Huh. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um. Yeah, we did the. Uh, we got the show notes. We got the chat room. Got Mastodon to be. Uh, this is a value for value production, meaning that uh, everything that we produce, we put on the internet for free in hopes that you enjoy it. And if you did get any value out of it, uh, we just ask that you turn around and, and help produce this show, make it the production that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. We are merely the conduits, and uh, value value <laughs> system means that we get to kill goats whenever we want, and we don't have to read dumb reads, we don't have to uh, kowtow to any corporate sponsors or any advertisers, and that really is is the juice. That's the gold. That's what you're looking for. Juicy. I'm not trying to sell you anything. It's all it's all faux free or whatever value you get out of it. You return that value in kind. Yeah. And uh, behindtheschemes.com, sch3m3s. You can reach out, email us, boo at behindtheschemes.com, lavish at behindtheschemes.com. Uh, yes, we, indeed. We're still using PayPal. Uh, we're not going to push anybody one way or the Juicy. other. Juicy. But uh, at some point, you know, these things will. Uh, be out of our uh, reach, I guess. <laughs> and we won't be permitted. And that's okay. Yeah. We're going to cut off our hands, that's why. Yeah, well, at least we can still take all of our clothes off. At NudePodcastApps.com yes. <laughs> NudePodcastApps.com If you want to boost a goat, if you want to uh, rack one up, uh, you can go and get yourself a brand new podcast app. And you can uh, facilitate through there. The goats are waiting in anticipation. Mm-hmm. They're shivering practically. Uh, we should get blankets for him, actually. Oh, I'm sure they'll be fine. Uh, Rhizome Ryan just boosted a 6666, by the way, saying anti anti goat slaughtering club. This guy wants to see blood, damn it. Ooh. Oh, but NBS does, and NBS just glued it back together again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn, yeah. this poor goat's having quite the day. <laughs> We never sent him back, you know. It just, it's the same he, goat. They keep yeah. He didn't. Juicy. He didn't even get a chance to to get back in line. <laughs> it's like, no, no. wait, come back over here. <laughs> you ended up being closer. <laughs> oh my god, NBS! Thanks for gluing that back together. Uh, well, let's read through some boostograms because there was a couple that uh, were in from earlier in the week. We had sixty six, sixty six from C Dubs using Boost CLI, which is a command line tool that you can boost straight from your node, uh, which is super fun, and I like using it, and it makes me feel super smart. Um, but he said, 100 exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then we had, All 100, right. we had 100 Thank sats you. from uh, Aldian out of Fountain, uh, boost in episode 122, Green Room Goat Massacre. And then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we had a uh, 33, or excuse me, 333 from Servo, 6666. We got that one with the Goot. Uh, ooh. Think Servo. 1269 uh, 12, from Sir Spencer. Nice. Yeah, he was uh, he was boosting the live app, uh, live item, episode 123 out of Caster, And uh, he said, so fucking wet in here. <laughs> it's 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 just it's wet everywhere. True, true story. Yeah, so much blood. Got to Yes, not just from today, but from from months. We've been killing goats for. There's so much blood. Mm, it's kind of. We're gonna have to do something about it at some point. Like realistically, realistically. Yeah, I mean, eventually, but still, 
let me have my my dead goat fantasy land. Uh, Sir Spencer says episode one two three plus sixty nine equals boner. Mm. Yes, that math checks out. As the Mothman can confirm. Indeed. Uh, we had got the sixty six sixty six from Rhizome Ryan. Uh, sixty six sixty six from C Brooklyn one twelve saying, "Look out at it." Ho ho ho! Yeah, yeah. He 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 lunged onto that one. I don't know if he you just saw it. Tricked you. Yeah, we were kind of. I cut it out of the corner of my eyes. We were looking over that tarot card. And he just like fucking mounted. <laughs> oh. He's an excitable fella. That came out a little weird. Um, <laughs> Another sixty six sixty six uh and uh oh I'm sorry. See Brooklyn was boosting the live tag for one twenty three. Uh Rhizome Ryan was using Fountain. We got sixty six sixty six from Pfeiffer through Fountain saying, just when I got the goat blood cleaned out of my beard. Well, mm-hmm. you know, nobody told you to boost sixty six sixty six. So you you did choose this uh this outcome. Like, this was the path that you chose. That was the wand you picked up. You decided to slaughter the goat. And while I am 110% in support of your decisions, you will have to understand that if you gut a goat, you're going to get a little bit of red on you. That's right. If you gut a goat, you're going to get goat guts. <laughs> goat gut. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, another 6666 from Rhizome. Uh, saying, uh, horny goat blood. Mmm. Mmm. I picked that shit up at the gas station sometimes. Oh, give it to me. The horny goat blood. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Over the counter gas station boner pills. Yeah. Horny yeah. Goat boner blood. blood. Boner blood. Boner blood. <laughs> uh, it's a stimulant. It's a nutrient. It's a lubricant. It's, it's everything. It's all of the above. Disgusting. I know. Filthy rank vile. We're one of those late night shows, but it's not late night yet. <laughs> About to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had, we got the one from Sir Spencer, ninety nine ninety nine. Christ knows what you're going to need some more of them. Uh, yes, we got that one. Mm-hmm. We got spook.social. Uh, 6666 from Rhizome saying, anti-anti-goat slaughtering club. We got that one. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that last one from NBS. I think that catches us up. gluing it together, and I, yeah, I think that's it. We're all up, up boosted. Mm-hmm. And it's not just uh, booster grams that you'll get out of a nude podcast app. There's all sorts of chapter art that we that we do. A lot of it is video, and it looks kind of cool. Or gifts, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of our or notes gifts, show. if you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got uh, transcripts. There's uh, links to to shirts. All sorts of cool stuff. Nude podcastapps.com get compliant today yes nude podcastapps.com let's pull these queens out of our asses and move on to something else yeah yeah zoom in baby zoom in more yeah it's time for my close-up oh he's boosted out of his mind staying up partying Do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore, and uh, end of story. Rolling out the MK Ultra song. Oh, that's great. Boost my bitch up. Gotta suck up all that blood.
It is true. The easiest way that you can support this show is by calling the telephone number 612-263-7999. You can leave yourself a scream mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't... Uh, well, actually, I was going to ask if maybe you wanted to open the phone lines at some point. Oh, yeah. I'd be game. But uh, light, uh, regardless, you can always give us a call at 612-263-7999. And you can even text us if you're a little voice shy, which happens. Yeah, we uh, actually have two text messages here. Uh, oh, you're going to want to get the um, uh, the band name list ready to go if you have it nearby. The it, band name list. Okay, okay. We'll get that out right now. Uh, texter says, band name, zero grand. Zero grand. Okay. I, I kind of like that. It gives me some Zero Boys vibes. Is it grand with or without the E at the end? Uh, no E. Sans E. Sans E. Zero grand. Okay. And uh, Texter, I don't know if we missed this one or not, but uh, Texter also sent in a picture of a gentleman wearing a hat that says Disco Fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not dead. Yeah, let me, uh, I'll, I'll get that. Dropped in the chat room for everybody to see. Hmm. Let's let the le chat know about everything. Yes, le chat. Uh, uh, the J fifth. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um. Where were we? Oh, yeah, we had another text message from a different texter saying, "Uh, put silk on a goat, and it is still a goat." But if you put satin on a goat, then it's satiny. That is very satiny. If you know what I mean. <laughs> if you know what I mean, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> if you know, you know, etc. For real, for real, fam, no cap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did you know? Because <laughs> I knew. It's, it's looping logic, but it works. Let's, uh, let's listen to this scream. Let's see what they got to say. Surely. Holy fuck, a week from today, Sunday, Booberry, Black Knight of the Moth Man, Sir Lavish, myself, Sir Bimrose, Rob Dew, a.k.a. Sir Ducifer, Cratchit, a.k.a. Sir Not Appearing on this podcast, and Tom Starkweather. Am I leaving anybody out? Probably not. We're doing Battle of Douchebags, the final fucking... Showdown! Gonna be a hoedown. Final countdown! Um, what else is going on? I've been up for about 20 straight hours working. Just got about uh, 50 mosquito bites in about 20 minutes. They're all welting up. That's good. Stepped in dog shit about 20 minutes ago. Oh my god. Uh, I just what a day. wait for the paychecks to get here. Three of them. Mmm. Well, I should say that uh, Caller had an amazing shout-out on this past episode of No Agenda. And John C. Or, uh, yeah, John C. Dvorak went on to talk about how he ended up listening to that Battle of the Douchebags, Episode 8, which featured Midnight Mike of OBDM, Adam from Deborah Gets Red Pill, uh, Tom Starkweather, and uh, Gwyff, the King of Kent. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, (laughs) quite the the, the showing. 
I was I was kind of rooting for a stern myself, but uh, Kathy Hochul ended up taking it away. <laughs> I'm glad the JCD caught it. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> there was some fantastic ISOs to come out of that. Mm. Their their whole exchange it was so just so good, so good. Uh, but yeah, that was the only screen mail that I see in the queue. Um, oh, well, I'm sure that we got more coming down the pipeline. If anybody wants to call us at 612-263-7999. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll play it on the air. That's right. We don't screen nothing. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, be afraid. Um, well, I'm thinking for the die roll, I, I just want to do a 20v20. 20. Yeah. 20, yeah, yeah. Highest roller gets to choose. All right. You like that? I like that. Let's do it. Kick it off. I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones. This is, uh, you know, Muscle Minos. Ah, no, I got an eight. Oh, I got a fourteen. Ah, yeah. Well, at least we both got evens. Hmm, that is true. Well, uh, since I went last last week, I think I'm going to go first this time. Kick it off, my man. Oh yeah, this story was suggested by Quirkus a little while ago. Uh, ah, the lovely Quirkess. Shout yes. out to Quirkess. Yes, Carmen to Quirkus. Hope she's doing well out there. Indeed. But uh, she was talking about the Hellfire Club. Are you familiar um, with the Hellfire Club? Well, I'm. I've heard of it before. I have never done a deep dive on it, and I know that it's resurged lately due to that Netflix show, The Stranger Things, kind of brought it back. But no, I'm not intimately uh, knowledgeable on, on what the Hellfire Club is. Uh, okay, so uh, the Hellfire Club, been around for in the mythos, the ethos, for a pretty decent while. Uh, like you said, that it was featured in the this previous episode of the Netflix show thingy. Um, bizarre, bizarre stuff, I think it was called. <laughs> bizarre um, stuff. <laughs> bizarre stuff. Only on Netflix. Unusual nouns. <laughs> Unusual nouns. Um, but uh, it was also featured in the X-Men comics, if you ever got into those. Uh, the Hellfire Club was a shadowy organization that ended up turning Jean Grey crazy. And she became the Black Queen, which eventually led to her becoming Dark Phoenix. The Dark Phoenix. Yes, the darkest of phoenixes. See, um, I don't know much about comics as as heavily as i could but i do know that gene gray aka phoenix was always getting dicked around with by secret societies they're always trying to <laughs> unlock her uh her rage mode her berserker mode yeah there's a there's <laughs> there's gateways <laughs> that must be penetrated yeah so unhealthy but so hot <laughs> it was actually pulled from a comic book Girl 19 exploration of the Hellfire Club in the X-Men comics. If you want to learn more about it, that's where I would start. It's a really, really great in-depth uh, look into the comic history. 
And mm. it's a lot of the same stuff, you know. It's uh, in the comics. It's this shadowy sort of uh, clandestine group featuring a whole bl- a bevy of people, movers and shakers in the mutant world. Uh, and, and turns out this club that was started in the 1700s kind of had the same uh, themes about it. Now, there's actually there's there's several different versions of the Hellfire Club. Um, it, sometimes groups would take on the name willingly. Sometimes the name was lumped onto groups, uh, mm. as we'll come to find out. But for today, we're going to focus on just two of the iterations of the Hellfire Club, both based in the 1700s. Uh, the first one will be Ireland, and the second one will be England. So it's not that too far of a distance between uh, where we're playing around today. Mm. Sound cool? But a world of difference between them. Ah, anyway. well, <laughs> sometimes. I mean, it's like... The countries themselves more than... Oh, the, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, let's, uh, let's take a little trip onto Montplur Hill in Ireland. And we'll learn a little bit about the, uh, the hunting lodge that was built, first and foremost. In Ireland, over 300 years ago, back in the late 1600s, a man named William Connolly practiced law, training to be an attorney. At the same time, the Battle of the Boyne, a civil war between Catholics and Protestants, was coming to an end. After the victory of the Protestants, William Connolly bought and sold various estates that were forfeited by the Catholics who were defeated at the Battle of the Boyne. This soon made Mr. Connolly the richest man in Ireland. Not only was Connolly a lawyer and the richest man in Ireland, but he was also a very successful politician. In 1715, becoming Speaker of the Irish House of Commons, which was the most dominant figure in Parliament. <laughs> he soon started using his abundance of wealth to build great mansions that showed people that the owners were some of the best of the political and social elite in Ireland. These mansions were known as castle townhouses. In 1725, Connolly found a perfect spot on top of Mount Pellier that looked out over the great city of Dublin. This was a perfect spot for another castle townhouse. But the top of the hill was already taken by an ancient sacred Neolithic passage tomb. This didn't stop Connolly from building his next castle townhouse. To clear a spot for the lodge he had in mind, he destroyed the tomb, including a cairn. If not bad enough, Jerk Connolly used the same stones from the sacred hilltop in the construction of his lodge. Stones that once marked the final resting place of the dead. Now, it doesn't sound like he's setting himself up to succeed. No, I think uh, he's playing with fire. He's, He's disrupting some very sacred sites. I think this should not work out for him. And who knows? these sites are confirmed sacred. Uh, I got two quickie clips here back to back. This is from a archaeological dig uh, TV series that was based in this area. We wanted to establish how much of the site was left from that. So we put this trench through this mound material to see if it related, if it was intact, if any of the kern was still intact. And indeed, we found it is with all these bands of stone. That's the rubble core of it. You know, it would have stood... Uh, significantly high, you know, it would have been visible for miles and miles around. Visible for miles and miles. This place was huge. Wow. Yeah, well, the original uh, the original memorial, the Karen, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But they did end up finding evidence when they were digging around of uh, different, like, uh, memorial treasures and, and things to take into the afterlife. And uh, one of them ended up being an axe head. So we found everything from proof of the destruction in, in things like this uh, lovely uh, clay tobacco pipe, uh, which has a claw uh, holding an egg kind of thing, whether it's um, 
a bird's claw or if you're Game of Thrones fan, maybe dragon's claw, I'm not sure. Um, but we have the factory stamp on that as well, so we'll be able to find out who We're made fantastic. that and when. If it was one of the guys um, building the old military road and taking the tomb apart, I'm yeah. very glad he dropped his pipe and broke on it. So this is the star of the show so far, and this is a, a polished stone axe head. But you can see it's um, it's been broken perhaps in antiquity, perhaps when it was made and it was broken to ceremonially give it to the next life, if you like. Um, but also looking at the edge of it, it looks like it was never used. So it seems to have been deliberately made to be deposited in this tomb, perhaps as an offering to a loved one, as a grave goods to take with them into the next world, or perhaps as a ceremonial offering to the gods or the ancestors. We don't quite know, but we found this actually in a quite mixed deposit from the destruction phase, probably relating to the 1800s. So they'd obviously dug it out and never even noticed it. To them, it was just a stone. Just a not, stone. Yeah, just a useless stone. Yeah, just a useless little stone. Yeah. Well, it almost is. The difference between a stone axe and a useless stone is very, very thin margin. Uh, the picture of the axe is pretty cool. It's split clean right down the middle. Hmm. Yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting. Um, and I guess breaking the stone axe was a way to kind of release it into the next world so that it was usable. Pretty well, I interesting. That ceremony involving a stone axe. I haven't heard that one yet. I know. Uh, wow. Let's see. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the stones from the Cairn uh, were eventually used in the construction of the roof for this uh, hunting lodge built by, what was his name? Connolly, I believe. Um, and what do they call it? They called it a castle townhouse? Uh, was it, that was the... It was a... Oh, I forget what they said in this particular clip. Um, yeah, I think it was like a castle townhouse or something. I liked, I liked that term to describe it. But anyway, please continue. The... Uh, lost where I was. Uh, let's get into what happened when, uh, <laughs> when a giant storm struck the building. At the tip of Montpelier Hill rests a mysterious stone ruin best known as the Dublin Hellfire Club. This structure has strange links to the devil himself and a dark past shrouded in legends and mystery. The building is said to be cursed, first being built as a hunting lodge by a wealthy Irishman back in the early 1700s. Soon after construction was completed, a fierce storm tore the roof right from the lodge. Many believe this to be the time when rumors of a curse began. These were formed on the basis that the lodge was built directly over the top of an ancient burial ground, and spirits who were disturbed by this now haunt the premises. Yeah, there's a lot of superstition and local folklore about this property. I, I don't doubt that one bit. And it's Although, in, don't these guys have gnarly storms all the time? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doesn't their weather kind of suck? <laughs> I will say, anyway. a, a lot of... Uh, thoughts about this as i was reading stuff online uh people attribute a lot of um these stories to be kind of blown out of proportion uh, sort of sensationalized mm. but well, i think, we like to sensationalize things so. yeah <laughs> it was like lean into it <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes <laughs> yes please and thank you <laughs> the uh this next clip that i that i have here it actually th this is one thing that I thought was super incredibly interesting about this uh, particular story is that you start to hear some somewhat some, uh, familiar names almost, right? 
Mm-hmm. And this uh, this next guy here is this is a uh, uh, he's the actual founder of the Hellfire Club that was uh, that was taking place in this building, right? And let's see if uh, let's see if we recognize his name. These clubs were places of these great men to let loose and partake in immoral acts. These clubs started off as an exclusive underground society where the wealthy and politicians would mock religion, play pranks on each other, and worship the gods of Bacchus, god of wine, and Venus, the goddess of sex. They technically didn't worship the devil, but they did embrace sin. They called themselves demons, and the leader of their club, who dressed up as the devil in robes and horns, was called the king of hell. There was once a man, and his name was Richard Parsons, and he was the first Earl of Rose. After six years of being the first Grand Master of the Irish Freemasons, he stepped down, inherited a small fortune from his grandmother, and went off on a tour of Europe and Egypt. While on his trip, he gained a reputation for being a sorcerer of black magic. It is said that during his time in Egypt, he came across ancient Dionysian scrolls that had been looted from the Great Library of Alexandria. When Parsons came back to Ireland, he wrote a book called Dionysus, Dionysus, called Dionysus Rising, based on the scrolls, and made a society called the Sacred Sect of Dionysus, a society that constantly celebrated the joys of partying. When the society disbanded, he founded another society, known as the Hellfire Club! Yeah, last name Parsons, uh, which, which immediately got me thinking about Jack Parsons, of course. Of course, the founder of American rocket science. And I actually found a blather.net article about all of this. And in there, there, here's a, here's a quote from the article. In a biography about Oliver St. John, Arthur Ulick O'Connor states, quote, The Bucks Castle, the Hellfire Club, can still be seen on a hilltop near Dublin. Here they galloped in the evening dressed in red and black, the Devil's Livery, to, to show not so much their sympathy with Satanism, as their contempt of superstition, their leader was Jack Parsons, the Earl of Rossi, or Rose. Uh, continuing on, oddly enough, a much later Jack Parsons popped up during the 1940s, as we just discussed, as the head of the Californian uh, Ordo Templi Orientis, implicating himself along with L. Ron Hubbard. Um, this is where it all starts getting weird again. According to Paul Rinding, who refers to Michael Hoffman, I couldn't find those names, um, Parsons himself claimed to be a descendant of the Hellfire Club founder. Um, hmm. So, who knows, man? That would be well, quite the lineage. Well, around a bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Parsons well, family lives on. It wouldn't be that many generations. No. Not at all. No, it wasn't that long ago at all, really. <laughs> it was like four ancestors back, I guess. Four, four generations? Tops. Maybe even three. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this sort of devilry and uh, mischief-making, it, it lended itself towards uh, sp- spooky stories. Uh, there's a lot of stories of possessions or uh, demonic sightings, exorcisms, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, here's, a, here's a brief little one about... Uh, Oh, this is driving strangers mad. Some say many animals and even some humans were sacrificed within the club and that it was once purposefully set on fire in order to feel more like hell. There are many Dublin Hellfire Club stories, 
some of which are particularly sinister. One curious outsider who was invited into the club to partake in its night's rituals was driven insane by what he witnessed. It is told that he was unable to recount what exactly he had experienced as he lost his mind and for the rest of his life could not even recall his own name. Another outsider who decided he'd check out the club one night turned up dead the next morning. This led to a man and a priest investigating the club the very next day. Upon entering the building, they found it empty, besides an oversized black cat with horns for ears prowling the room where a great feast had obviously just taken place. Supposedly, one man was left with large scratch wounds all over his face, yet the priest was able to exorcise the demon cat by showering it with some holy water he had on his person, which caused the cat to be torn apart. Oh my god, can you imagine Ooh. that? He throw a vial of holy water on something and it erupts like Castlevanian holy water. Yeah, sounds legit. Yeah, that's, I, I got to thinking, I was like, maybe that's why I like the so much is because of Castlevania. <laughs> Castlevania turned you into a freak really young. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, many such cases. <laughs> Um, one of my more favorite stories about uh, this particular club was the day that the devil came to visit. So probably the most well-known and creepiest story about the Dublin Hellfire Club relates to the devil himself. And I really wanted to save telling the story till tonight when we were back here in the dark. So the legend goes that one night there was a couple of fellas playing cards at the Hellfire Club and a complete stranger rocked up at the building, knocked on the door. You know, they answered and thought, hey, uh, we'll help this guy out. We'll give him, you know, lodging for the night. He can come in and join us. So he came in, sat down and was playing cards with them. And there was something a little bit odd about this guy that they couldn't quite put their fingers on. But the story goes that one of them dropped a card onto the floor. So he leant over to pick it up. But as he picked it up, he looked over at the stranger's feet and he seen that they were cloven hooves. So after that, they believe that it was Satan himself had paid them a visit. Now, I don't know if this is um, related to that, but I did hear if you walk backwards around the Hellfire Club three times, you will either sight the devil or summon a demon. So we might have to bring Jared Cam back tonight for that one. How do you feel about that? I don't mm, press an exit down. Mm, mm, uh, yeah, about that. Sounds good. Let's do it. Three <laughs> times around the building. Go, go, go. Hustle. <laughs> Where you at? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, Lucy. Here, Lucy. Hey, Lucy. Come on. We got to go summon the devil. Come on, baby. Little demon, baby. Yeah, come walk, here to walk, me. Walk backwards with me. Come on. Come on. We just got to do it three times. Come to daddy, Satan. Yes. Um... <laughs> Well, yeah, that seems very convenient. I'm glad that they're getting so much traffic over there mm-hmm. between the, the, the various dimensions. Yeah, and uh, at one point, the the club was supposedly set on fire to give it a more hellish appearance. Uh, yes. And I, I do have uh, that actually, those last two clips that we were listening to, they came from uh, Amy, what was her name? Uh, I actually liked it. It was, it was cool. She filmed it on the site. Uh, get her name here real quick amy's crypt 
And uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, hey, I'm Amy. Welcome to my crib. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, photos and videos of it. It's uh, well worth checking out. Um, and uh, I guess it inspired a lot of uh, Cthulhu mythos too. It was featured in some of uh, Lovecraft's uh, short stories and whatnot. Uh, that guy ripped so much stuff, didn't he? Yep. Um, now I do have a. This is an actual uh, diary entry of the cat exorcism. Uh, we might skip reading it for uh, for right now, but if you want to check it out, I just linked it right there for you. Uh, Dang. Yeah. Kill well, breed. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have here? The um, oh, I also oh, found cool. a poem about one of the uh, the members uh, who sold his soul to relieve his debts, and when the devil came to collect, and many a years later, uh, the mofo <laughs> ended up giving up all of uh, all of the other people in the room's souls up. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a guy! Definitely not going to hell. Nope. Uh, yet another tale tells us that during a black mass, a footman spilled a drink on Whaley's coat, one of the members, after slipping on the mass of drunken bodies on the floor. Whaley poured brandy upon the man, set him alight, and soon had the entire building ablaze. Most were too drunk to escape, or so we're told. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were really messed up, you know, there's nothing to be done. Yeah, too and- bad. And it's uh, there were some more recent shenanigans found. As if all of this wasn't enough, around the beginning of 1971, while plumbing work was being done in the house, a shallow grave was found beneath the floor, apparently containing the skeleton of a dwarf and a brass figurine depicting a horned and tailed devil thumbing its nose. Hmm. Oh, Seems wow. oddly specific. Yeah. Um. So yeah. What does it mean, man? What does it mean? So this one, this one's associated with a little more uh, devil stuff, uh, more hauntings. Uh, there's no shortage of uh, various ghost walks of people filming uh, the ruins oh that they're going through. Uh, yeah, you know it's worth it's worth checking out. Um, Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Sounds spooky as shit. Yeah, this one, this uh, next link is actually a gallery of the of the premises, and uh, it's certainly spooky. Uh, I would love to go check it out in person. Very oh, yeah. cool, very legal. Uh, uh, we should we should continue on. It's hard to access. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's continue on. Well, it's just a it's a rocky road up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably way out in the in the boonies. Um, so we'll uh, we'll depart Ireland. Uh, there's not there's a lot of material, but a lot of it seems to be you know sensationalized, like we we, we discussed. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Because uh, we can uh, further <laughs> look into the English Hellfire Club, uh, which has got a which is probably more... the is so much just the most violent, awful thing that's ever existed. Uh, not I'm as sure. not as satany as the previous club or the previous iteration of the Hellfire Club, uh, mm. but it's a it's definitely a whole lot sexier. I can tell you that much. Oh my, and... those sexy Brits. Mm-hmm. This is a time when sex sells in England. I, I believe. Uh, oh, I had a blurb about it. Prostitution is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, contributor to uh, <laughs> GDP. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the national treasury is filled with <laughs> whore coin. 
Yes. <laughs> Little teeth on teeth action. <laughs> I like it. Me too. Is, we should write an unofficial history of England and we can't we can't forget that. No. No, of course not. It was a turning point for the nation. <laughs> well, they were turning all right. The uh <laughs> let's um let's get into a little bit on Francis Dashwood uh who ended up founding the the English unaffiliated chapter of the never officially named Hellfire Club. He, the club that he founded was actually called the uh oh oh goodness, what was it? Well, maybe it's in this club. Born in 1708, Sir Francis Dashwood was the only heir of a wealthy merchant. He's perhaps best summed up by one author's description, quote, an enormously rich man with a genius for obscenity. Dashwood's primary interests were seemingly set in stone when, in his formative years, he embarked on his Grand Tour, a traditional rite of passage during which wealthy young men traversed through Europe on a cultural odyssey. As his tutor put it, Dashwood, quote, fornicated his way across Europe. In one instance, he even seduced the Empress of Russia while claiming to be Charles XII of Sweden, a man who was, at that point, dead. These travels also inspired Dashwood's fascination with sacred rituals of the past. He kind of hated the religious institutions of his day, but he was simultaneously mystified by Europe's rich history. So when he wasn't womanizing, he was sauntering through dusty catacombs lined with mummified corpses, or sitting in old Roman ruins imagining the orgies of the past. This guy's living the dream. So it's this odd mutual appreciation for debauchery and sacred history that would lead to Dashwood's greatest achievement and ultimately his friendship with Ben Franklin, the Friars of St. Francis of Wycombe. Ah, the Friars of St. Francis of Wycombe. That was the name. My apologies. But yeah, motherfucking Ben Franklin makes an appearance, dude. Oh, my favorite. Wow, this guy's had quite a life. Yeah, it's going to be a real who's who. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, those Russian empresses, man, they get around. Yeah, no doubt. Imagine swooning for a dead guy. Oh, I, well, <laughs> imagine no more. It is Halloween, after all. No doubt. So uh, this wasn't the first club that uh, Dashwood founded. He also did the Society of Dilettanti, uh, which... Funny enough, went on to uh, help found the Royal Arts uh, Foundation or institution in England. Ah, uh, yeah. What an, an elitist cabal we have here. Yeah, no doubt. Francis Dashwood. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and a lot of these sects or these uh, little groups, clubs. Uh, I guess a big push was for the mockery of of religion. You know, we're just going to go do depravity for depravity's sake. Uh, which, yeah, as, as, as it says in the Book of Knowledge, they describe this man as a rake, which is a great word to describe someone as. Mm-hmm. A rake. A.K.A. a womanizer. <laughs> yeah, someone that just goes out there and gets it. <laughs> the description of a rake, often a rake was prodigal, wasting his fortune on gambling wine, women, and song, and incurring lavish debts. Cad is a closely related term. <laughs> what a cad. Oh my goodness. The uh, anyway. this next clip, uh this next clip gets into some of the type of people that they would invite to these parties, right? And mm. you know, th- this is <laughs> this is an age of awakening, right? So there's still plenty of people that are like looking down their nose and being all prudes about People getting their freak on. 
And, uh, well, you're going to need a good costume. And, frankly, it's none of your goddamn business what it is. Dashwood's Hellfire Club was meant to attract the most depraved and intellectual men of the time. And over the course of the club's history, its lineup would allegedly include such notable men as the Prime Minister of England, the Lord Mayor of London, several of England's greatest artists and poets, the Prince of Wales, and possibly, as evidence would strongly suggest, Ben Franklin. See, Dashwood was publicly known to sympathize with the cause of the American rebels, and he had exchanged letters with Franklin on many occasions. Furthermore, Franklin actually visited Dashwood's estate at West Wycombe for an extended period in July of 1772. And during his stay, there is a record of a club meeting taking place. According to author Daniel Mannix, quote, there seems to be no reason why Franklin should have gone to Wycombe at this special time unless he was a member. Only club members were allowed at Dashwood's estate during club meetings. So with Franklin's likely involvement in mind, let's look at what he might have encountered during his visits with the friars of St. Francis of Wycombe. The members of the club reportedly donned white monk's robes and were each allowed to invite along, quote, a lady of a cheerful, lively disposition to improve the general hilarity. These women also dressed the part, wearing nuns' robes and masks to avoid an embarrassing run-in with a husband or acquaintance i wonder what a nun mask is oh yeah i'm mm. gonna be curious now <laughs> nun mask oh god <laughs> these images that they're producing are not for the faint of heart uh some Jesus. other notable members of this hellfire club was uh the fourth earl of sandwich yes uh, <laughs> the creator of yes the, the sandwich yeah that guy of sandwich fame uh, and he liked gambling, flagellation, and young ladies. He is said to have once preached a sermon to a congregation of cats. We had John Stewart, the third Earl of Butte, who uh, exploited the lucky situation of a card game with a young Han Hanoverian? Ooh, Hanoverian. Hanover, someone from Hanover. Yeah, to become the future uh, George III's most dependable advisor, later Prime Minister. Wow. Oh. Uh, oh, convenient. Seen, seen floating around was Frederick, Prince of Wales. Uh, it is not positively known to be one of the Brotherhood, uh, but given his known friendships with Butte and Sir Francis and his licent licentious taste, his attachment to them is plausible. He was the most English of the Hanoverians, uh, holding no attachment to his German roots. He was generous and favored politics without parties, kingship without faction, and uh, uh, kingship without faction, as in the teachings of Bolingbroke. Oh. Uh, but he was, sorry, he was later crown, crowned George III in 1761. Mm -hmm. That's what I was trying to get King to. King George. King George III, that's right. Yeah. Oh, wait. That's the one I meant. Um, yeah. Kind of a big deal. Uh, so this particular club was built, uh, or w spent a lot of time in Mendenham Abbey, which is one of those castle township type things, the an Abbey. Mendenham Abbey. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, These English names. <laughs> uh, this next clip got me thinking, we should really look into getting some stained glass done for the green room. Does that? Oh. Does that? Oh. Yeah. What do you think? Preaching to the choir, man. Oh, dude. Then you'll like this one. One of the first locations of the Hellfire Club was on the shores of an island in the Thames River. Shrouded in a thick grove of elm trees, the island was the perfect location for the makeshift monks to spend an evening with their dates away from the prying eyes of the public. It was also Ooh. ideal because it was home to the crumbling remnants of an old medieval ruin built in the year 1160, known as Mendham Abbey. Dashwood actually set about reconstructing the site, but as he had a flair for the theatrical, he asked that it still resemble a spooky old ruin. 
But he did install a few upgrades. A series of stained glass windows depicting the club members in, quote, indecent poses. A brilliant pornographic fresco that John Wilkes, who wasn't known to shy away from vulgarity, described as, quote, unspeakable. And an expansive library stocked with classical literature as well as what was called, quote, the finest collection of pornographic books in Great Britain. (laughs) The finest. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Somebody play Pop and Circumstance. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, that poor Uh, gimp. We thought that he wasn't going to get any boost in love today. Oh. Gimps. Mm, Back in the box, gimp. Yeah. Just like just just do like a little give him a wide berth. Give the gimp a wide berth and walk around go to the street. Oh no! <laughs> oh yes. Oh, oh no! Yes. It's a oh. goat. Yes. Oh yes. Net Net just boosted us eighty eight eighty eight, saying I've never boosted a goat before. I totally boost a goat. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but you have boosted a gimp before, I, I see. Yeah. I can tell you're, you're experienced. I, I didn't know uh, NetNed was into such lascivious activities. Oh man. NetNed is also a fan of uh, stained glass windows. Mmm. Juicy. This is some freaky <laughs> shit here. Oh my. Oh my goodness. Olives uh, on your pizza, NetNed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it turns out that, uh, part of this property was built on caves, but, uh, when, when Dashwood took it over, they expanded on the caves and they, some of them go on for a quarter of a mile, just like straight to the ground. Uh, it's Mm. pretty cool stuff, but they, there's some pictures that I've gotten here where they've actually carved demonic faces into the wall. It looks pretty crazy. Yeah. I was checking that out. That's spooky. Spooky dookie ookie. Looks and, like a uh, jank, uh, like a high school art class project. It's great. Yeah. Oh, and in the garden, um, the gardens included a temple of Venus and parlor of Venus, as well as statues of Pan and Periapus, uh, perfect for a club dedicated to divine procreation. Mm, oh, Venus. Tying into the, to the east star, to Venus in the sky, and then uh, also to Ishtar and all the old... Uh, Fertility and war goddesses. Very mm-hmm. nice. Somehow <laughs> yeah. ends up in Satan's uh, ball. The ball somehow ends up in Satan's court. That is the sentence I was trying to make. These uh, these sets of clips that we're listening to, uh, they do come from BuzzFeed, which is, a, as I've stated before, a based publication. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Only the finest parasitical media. Yeah. <laughs> the thickest. <laughs> thickest parasites you've ever seen. Uh, here's a, here's a brief quote about these mock religious ceremonies. There is no doubt, however, that the members took part in mock religious ceremonies, usually at the initiation of new members and the like. The main point of the gatherings, as John Wilkes put it, was that a set of jolly, worthy fellows, ooh, fellows, uh, happy Mm. uh, disciples of Venus and Bacchus got together to celebrate women and wine and to give more zest to the festive meetings. They plucked every luxurious idea from the ancients and enriched their own modern pleasures with a tradition of ancient luxury. Yeah, you know, I think they're just they're just trying very hard to get their freak on. Yeah, that's what a lot of these things are. You go behind closed doors, you know, they're these eyes wide shut parties. They've been going on forever. 
Well, that's that's the perfect transition into this next clip, a little bit of Black Mass. In the cover of night, the hooded monks and their dates would arrive to the island on a red gondola. Stepping ashore, they were greeted by the far-off drone of the abbey's organ and the ringing of a ghostly church bell. Outside the abbey, they'd come upon an ominous statue of Harpocrates, the Egyptian god of silence. Once inside the abbey, Dashwood would pour his guests a special cocktail of brandy and brimstone, and they'd all raise a glass and toast to the powers of darkness. With the striking of a gong, the monks would move further into the abbey and file into the chapel. Here, it is suspected they practiced a black mass, in which a woman laid naked on the altar and the monks proceeded to drink sacrificial wine from her navel. Now, it's generally thought that the members weren't actual Satanists, despite all these weird rituals. Some members actually found this aspect pretty boring. John Wilkes actually found the rituals so dull that he once dressed a baboon up as a demon. Bear with me. He locked it in a trunk, and he stowed it in the abbey. Then, when the members called upon Lord Satan to appear, Wilkes pulled a string to release the frightened animal. For a moment, the members stared in disbelief. Then they lost their minds. The terrified baboon leapt onto Lord Sandwich, yes, the guy who invented the sandwich, causing him to allegedly shout, Spare me, gracious devil! I never knew that you'd really come or I'd never have invoked me! Yeah, they know how to have a good time. I mean, you're dressing up a baboon as a little devil and locking it in a trunk, which is kind of cruel, but the payoff, you know, I can't imagine a ton of people know what a motherfucking baboon is, especially in Ireland in the 1700s. Oh, yeah. You know how hard it is to get one of those out there? Mm-mm. Man, that sounds like a raucous party. Get in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the trunk. Um, yeah. The uh, This next clip is... They're reading pornographic material. The, the cast of BuzzFeed is here. And, uh, oh, my. And it's, it's kind of funny, you know? I don't know if this book was featured in the library of the Hellfire Club, per se, but it gives you an idea of the sort of levels that people would stoop to to get their rocks off. Um, but at the end, this is a really good example of a conspiracy theorist caught in the wild and then immediately... Uh, uh, what's it called? Walking, uh, walks it back. Mm. So keep your ears out for it. As the alcohol continued to flow, the monks and their guests might share dirty stories or read from the era's more popular works of pornographic literature. I've each provided you with a snippet of pornography. These are from a piece published in 1740 titled A Dialogue Between a Married Lady and a Maid. So without further ado... There is between the thighs, just at the bottom of the belly, a piece of flesh. Underneath hangs in a bag, or purse, two little balls. Pretty hard, and the harder the better. They call them stones, and in them is contained that white, thick liquor. <laughs> I didn't find that that repulsive. No, very fun. All right, well, here we go. <laughs> he took hold of that place, which distinguishes us from men. At the same time, he cried out, Oh, I have a maid, a virgin to my share. I seem to not know the words for penis and vagina. The place that distinguishes us from men. Yeah. Okay. His member was stiff and hard as a horn. Just as he had finished, uh, why? My mother, who had heard me shriek, came into the room. What a happy girl you are, said she. Pluck off this smock, which I will keep for a relic, since it is stained with thy virgin's blood. A fun little souvenir. Remember your first night? I think we got the lesser of it. I think we got a lot off easy here. I don't know about that. You had a playful little description of you balls. Said, you said thick yeah. white liquor. That's hilarious. Thick white liquor. With bellies full of drinks and minds full of smut, 
Guests would start to pair off and retreat to any of the private cells which were prepared and stocked with the, quote, proper objects for lascivious activities. This is probably what like all Hollywood parties are like. You think Spielberg's just running through, yeah, hard as a Spielberg, horn? But like, you hard. should have seen Spielberg last night. His white liquor was so thick. Not Spielberg. <laughs> I bet literally like all Hollywood parties are like this. Like Spielberg? Well, not like Spielberg. Not like Spiel Spielberg would never. <laughs> the one, the one gentleman in all of Hollywood that would not attend one of these parties, as you uh, so deem them, the eyes wide shut parties. Uh, he's the only one that would not attend. No, perfect Spielberg. He's a virgin. He's a he's he made E.T. He's yeah. a nice man. How, I know him really well. How can he be having weird sex parties when he's too busy flying helicopters into kids? I mean, come on, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's he's just running around nine eleven in kids. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You know Spielberg parties. He does. He does the Hollywood thing. Yeah, maybe. Guess we, what? They all do. Maybe. Maybe we can actually get Spielberg to uh, call in and uh, see if he can give us um, uh, uh, a quote. Maybe, perhaps. We've we had, did. We, he, Steven Spielberg did call us one time. Well, he was on the show as a guest. I mean, you know, like he might be out there. He might be listening this very second. You never know. You never know, and if you wanted to call us, you could probably call us at 612-263-7999. Oh, indeed. Um, this, uh, this last clip, it gets more into the sort of wishy-washy nature of these clubs. A lot of the materials have been destroyed, whether purposely or accidentally, over the years. Um, so no permanent roster really exists for any of these organizations. Um, and in the early 1900s, it looks like a lot of it got sensationalized by pulp fiction, right? Or mm -hmm. pulp books. Mm -hmm. Um, but Cereals. this, uh, this next clip does make the case for, uh, Benjamin Franklin being there. After operating in secret for many years, the details of the Hellfire Club at Mendham Abbey were recounted in a popular novel in the year 1760. It captivated the public's imagination to the point that tourists began to line the shores to spot the sex monks arriving. But not wanting to give up his weird sex parties, Dashwood bounced back by having an elaborate system of caves dug on his own private property a few miles away from the abbey. And it was here that the monks of the Hellfire Club continued to hold their orgies in total privacy. This new location, and the fact that it was gated from the public and accessible only to club members, lends further credence to Franklin's participation. As he once wrote in a letter, The exquisite sense of classical design charmingly reproduced at West Wycombe is as evident below the earth as above it. Author Daniel Mannix argues that Franklin's letter must be referring to the caves, and further adds that, quote, Franklin would have been short-sighted if he hadn't joined the club. He was a diplomat trying to help his country, and the club gave him the entree to some of the most influential men in England. Mmm, did you catch that little uh, as above, so below in there that Franklin was writing about? I think so. I can uh, try and take it back. Let's see. Little privacy. This new location and the fact that it was gated from the public and accessible only to club members lends further credence to Franklin's participation. As he once wrote in a letter, the exquisite sense of classical design charmingly reproduced at West Wycombe is as evident below the earth as above it. Author Daniel uh, Mannix argues that Franklin's letter... Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. It was right there. In front of me, as it often is. <laughs> ah, Franklin's getting a little spooky on us, man. Oh, well, you know, there's a reason why he's on the $100 bill. Yeah, no doubt. Um, on Franklin, and this is the last clip that I have, and it's also the last uh, shout-out, name drop, as you, would, uh, as you would call it. 
And uh, this is actually from an old Prison Planet documentary. I don't have the name of it, but I can find out. Uh, this is a little bit about eugenics. We find Everyone's Benjamin favorite. Franklin, a very interesting man long before this. Again, High Freemason. Uh, this is in his own records at the Franklin Institute. Uh, he, he joined the English Lodge. He joined other lodges. He became eventually the Grand Master of the Nine Sisters Lodge in France. He initiated Voltairean as a member and others. Wow. But he was also a member of the Hellfire Club in England. Benjamin Franklin talked about the, the carriers. He called them dollies. These are women who had selective genes. They were the process, the products themselves of selective special breeding. And the Hellfire Club, like many Masonic, uh, high Masonic institutions of that time, had what were loosely called, loosely called, and wrongly in a sense, brothels attached to them. But it was also a cover because the special carriers or dollies, and dollies, the, 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 the term that Franklin himself coined, is still in use today. A dolly is a carrier, like something you carry luggage on or whatever. He, basically, he said that those who were worthy, worthy to go on and breed with these particular women, who were of noble birth, most of them, uh, would have the, the pleasure of having the offspring, knowing they had the offspring, and the offspring was guaranteed uh, a life of high exposure in science and perhaps leadership in the world. Madame Bouvier was the one he was talking about initially at the, the Hellfire Club in Essen High Wick in London. And Madame Bouvier's descendants still live. There's two of them in France today. And the other one was Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, nice. like that? Yep. One of the descendants uh, or the uh, ancestors of Jackie Kennedy could have been getting their freak on with uh, ben, ben Franklin and all sorts of other... The Masonic brothel connected to the... That's, that's great. Low-key, small-batch artisanal eugenics <laughs> out in the countryside. Yeah, like, oh, you know. and just doing like crazy sex acts and, and rituals, wearing the robes and... I'm not saying that I would, but if I did have a time machine, I would have an idea of where I might uh, stop by first. I mean, don't knock it till you try it, right? Mm-hmm. Might as well. Might as well just be a fly on the wall. See what kind of weird shit. You know, that's, that's the stuff of legend. It is. And I wish I could remember which article it was, but um, this club, surprisingly enough, Shared the motto of Thalema with the do what that wilt, mm. which I thought was uh, super fun. But yeah, that's uh, that's what I've got on the Hellfire Club. There's a plethora of resources. Uh, there's actually a 1978-1978 uh, documentary made by the BBC that uh, I thought about pulling clips, but it's it's so so dry that uh, <laughs> I ended up having to pass ah, the beeb. Um, but they end up getting into some of the like pictograms that are drawn in the caves uh, underneath mm. the Mendenhab uh, Abbey. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, nice. so check it out. 
That'll be all in the show notes, zososcorner.substack.com. Mm-hmm. Nice. This is cool. A good foray into the Hellfire Club. Yeah. And some, you get to see some familiar faces. You get a little bit of devil action. And you're sacrificing animals, possessions, sex orgies, underground, masks, robes. Oh, Fucking dude. Fucking uh, dismantling sacred burial grounds. Oh, yeah. Always good time. There's uh there's actually uh the the website for the abbey they um <laughs> they got a spectrogram of the tunnels underneath it's really cool uh so that's in the show notes as well uh, I think it's this link you want to see that one um but they also had an underground river or underground body of water that they had a special little boat for and they deemed this water the river sticks, and they would have to cross mm. it in order to to participate in these orgies. Oh my! A nice little over the water initiation. Very important. Very important. Water and fire, two uh, the two big ones. Mm-hmm. A sense of reverence for all, and I'm sure that this body of water was a water full of bodies. <laughs> I would hope so. I would imagine so. Well, that's uh, that's all I got. Uh, should we do a voicemail? Oh, I I believe so. If anybody wants to give us a call and leave us a screamail or a voicemail, you can call us at six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. You know, when it's starting to get colder out, and you know, you work a you work manual labor most of your adult life, and you know. You can start to, as you're getting older, you feel the aches and the pains are starting to build up, and then you decide, oh, hey, I'm going to take a supplement that'll help, you know, repair all those ligaments that you've destroyed over the years, and then you realize that your lower back is completely fucked, and, well, you forgot about that, and the supplement you're taking repairs nerves, too, and you just, you're, and then you try to lift up with your lower back, you're like, <laughs> and, you know, it just really fucking hurts, and then you can't really do much in the last couple of days because, you know, it feels like your back's broken. Yeah, it sucks. Um, that's why, you know, this particular ang- leprechaun is pretty fucking angry right now. All right, uh, bye. Goodbye. No, I'm going to I'm gonna give you some oh shit, oh fuck karma. Oh shit, oh fuck. To angry leprechaun. Mm. That's the luck healing up that back. I can't imagine those nerves coming back to life. Yes, yes. Do not break your back collar. Take care of yourself. And thanks for calling. Uh, Back healing karma to all. Mm, Indubitably. And that's the only one that we had. So 612-263-7999 is that telephone number that you should call. And uh, we had a a message come through. It says, sup, y'all. It's Dave from Walnut Creek. Good to hear you on the air, Lavish. Oh, hey, yo. What's up, Dave from Walnut Creek? Uh, met him a few times at the meetups. Nice. That's right, the local meetups, which, by golly, I should really uh, set one up for, for next month, maybe pre-Thanksgiving. Because once Thanksgiving hits, then you're just off to the races for all these holidays. Mm-hmm. But nice. Nice hearing from you, Dave. Much appreciate. I want to say uh, No Beret said that there was a uh, No Agenda meetup in Tennessee upcoming. And he asked Indeed. this to shout it out. 
Indeed, uh, we can do that. Yeah, no agenda. Don't tell your parents. Meet up Knoxville, Tennessee. It's Monday, November 7, 2022 at 5 p.m. Uh, we gather in the center of the food court. Oh, my goodness. We're going to the motherfucking mall uh, in yeah. West Town Mall. Uh, Bowling look, court. Look for the guy in the BTS shirt. Ew. Very cool. Very legal. Nice. I'll post uh, the link to that in the chat, unless you already have. Mm -mm. I'll do that right now. That's right. No agenda. Don't tell your parents meet up in Knoxville, Tennessee, Monday, November 7th. Nice. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Tennessean people out there in that neck of the woods. Indeed. Uh, Looking at it, seeing where it is in comparison to our Nashville meetup. Not terribly far. Not terribly close either. But uh, awesome. Shout out to the great state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I suppose that puts us at the intermission. Uh, you made this one up. You got uh, anything you'd like to share with the class? Uh, with this one? Well, I just hope everybody likes it. It's uh, music. And if you want to know what music it is, you can find it in the show notes. corner.substack.com. All of it is uh, is open and free and lovely. Mm, so free, so lovely. That's right. Happy Halloween. Job less. Yeah, happy Halloween. One more day. One more. Uno más.
says Karen. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it.
Welcome back to second second half of show for episode one twenty three of Behind the Schemes. Yes, <sighs> one two three. Mm. Oh, is that a is that a, a cider or something I hear over there? I've got a something a little special. Mm. Oh, it is the Southern Tier Pumpkin. Ah, the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're getting festive with your beverage. Many a night have I replicated Hellfire Club stories with Southern Tears Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> no tale is complete without the soothing, cooling f- sensation of a pumpkin beverage. This thing is 8.6 by volume. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Did you get a tall can? <laughs> no, nah, just a bottle. Just a bottle. Just but your I, standard bottle. I do have two here. Uh, sip them. Well, you know, it's hard to drink when uh, we start so late, being a late night show. It's, uh, well, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. The Pride of Jamestown, says Serpent, or uh, Ellicott, Ellicottville? Ellicottville? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know the first thing. Hmm. Well, for me, I have a, a traditional, I have a standard. You inspired me with your talk of Irish cairns and whatnot. And so I poured myself a delicious Guinness. Mmm, very tasty. Yes, can't go wrong. Voted no. best beer in the world at the 1896 World's Fair. Yeah, it's uh These are not for like a level one uh, warrior. Yeah, it's for, no. for a real drinker. That's for a, a warrior, seasoned vet. <laughs> this is for like level ten foreplay. Level ten foreplay. <laughs> you know, it takes a long time to get to level ten, so don't knock it. Don't knock it till you try it. Indeed, Which indeed. Is that's bas- basically one step forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, should I knock it or should I try it? Uh, both. <laughs> oh, okay. Easy. Quiero los dos. And this is the part of the show where we like to take a moment to thank all of the people that help produce the these episodes of Behind the Schemes. And they are known as Freaks of Hazards, and, and they are uh, so, so greatly appreciated. And there's two folks that we would like to thank for tonight. Indeed, indeed, uh, if I may. 
We'd like to wish a hearty in the morning to Captain Oblivious, who sent us in a Penta PayPal. Uh, a Penta PayPal of $5.55. Yeah, I get it. All five. I get it. I get it. You, you pentagrammed me. Yeah. I tried. Captain Oblivious. Thank you. Oh, you succeed quite often. And then uh, we also had Mary Kate Ultra send in an absolute killer package along with a note. Uh, sent you a couple of gifts, I see. Oh, uh, there was this poster of The Devil Rides Out, which is this really great uh, prints of a, uh, a, a, a goat like cult, very satanic. Mm hmm. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, blue and yellow. Can't wait to see what it's going to look like with the uh, with the UV lights that I got in here. Oh yeah, and the black light. Don't forget to run a black light over just in case. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, hope for the best, would you? <laughs> please. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, speaking of please, uh, there was two koozies uh, in the package as well. One of them was a ghost saying "Ready to Die," and the other one was a bear with an umbrella saying "Meet me at the piss party." <laughs> That'll up your party game. Oh my goodness, I cannot wait. Piss. Koozies. Yeah. You say piss, I say koozies. Piss, koozies. And I'm telling you, that's the way to up your game. You'd be the coolest person at the party when you bring your own koozie. Yeah. Koozies help protect or... Mm, maybe they, they protect and serve. Yeah, they serve the splatter. Splat, splatter, splat. How about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah. that? Yeah. How about that? And especially in the cold winter time, you don't want your poor fingers to chill off. Mm-mm, gotta keep them warm. You gotta keep your fingers warm and your beer cold. No doubt. And then, uh, funny enough, um, she sent in some stickers, some show art stickers. Uh, one was mm. a set that she had done up herself, and then the other one was the BYO3DG glasses girl. Mm-hmm. The nuclear woman. Yeah, the nuclear woman. Miss Dismal. <laughs> Miss Dismal. Miss Info. Um, yeah, and uh, we'll actually get it. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about those stickers here when we get to, to the note. There was a pair of 3D glasses in there. Of course. Some honestly, Bring your own. And, and, and funny enough, the 3D glasses works with our show art. <laughs> well, well, well. Who could have called that? Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. Uh. Oh, and then uh, that the ghost koozie, it actually reminded me that um, there was a, I have this patch, it's Casper the Friendly Ghost, and he's holding a sign that says, ready to die, up above it. <laughs> that should have been on the Biggie Smalls album, ready to die. Oh, I that should, patch. dude, you know what would look good, is the Pfizer logo above that, and then have uh, Casper, yeah, yeah. Casper, brought to you by Pfizer, I like it. <laughs> Indeed. Damn. Damn. Uh, and uh, there was $31 cold hard cash in an envelope. Whoa. Yes, indeed. And, all uh, cash, baby. All cash. Money, 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 money. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to read you the note that, uh, that, was, that came in. Uh, Booberry, I planned on sending you stickers for H-Ween that I made with my cricket. The timing is wild. Heart Kitty Tarleton Heart uh, donated. Uh, well, Kitty Tarleton donated y'all a cricket as I was uh, sending these out. They are my first project, so I'm excited to learn 
how to do it better, lol. Make Heroism and I saw these other items at a punk rock flea market and thought of you. Happy haunting. And then uh, she's got a list of all the stuff that uh, was this, was sent in the package. Uh, $31 for October days. Sweet. Yeah. That's so nice and thoughtful. Yeah, it's a, a fantastic little package. Thank you all so much. It's uh, I, I just, it absolutely astounds me that, that people can find such cool shit and share it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's wild, man. It's one of the best things ever. I was just showing off my man, myth, and magic to a friend the other day, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so much of the same. So great. Yeah. Such Even a, nearby at all times. Yeah. They sent us a couple of copies of a, a fantastic encyclopedia that, that really has the smell of knowledge beat into it. Yes. It smells like the scrolls of Alexandria. Ah, oh, so good. It, it's an encyclopedia of the supernatural. <laughs> no doubt. Very, very cool stuff. Well, thank you very much. And I, it was nice to hear uh, today on No Agenda that Mary Kate Ultra and Make Heroism uh, got a, a producership in there. I heard that with the uh, buy the dip donations. <laughs> buy the dip donations, yeah. The inflation donation. Yeah, that was super fun. That was fun. That was a, that was a good time. Those guys have been hurting for a bit. Uh, for for love they they got it they had a good idea and mm-hmm. uh, they say that they i may even have um a package coming all the way here to the bereft coast well it's gonna have to cross many deserts to get here and i appreciate that very much that'll be exciting yes no doubt Hold my breath on that one mm-hmm. please leave i need privacy <laughs> i need privacy <laughs> oh goodness uh if you want to help produce this show you can head over to behind the schemes.com sch3m3s uh that's that's clips that's isos that's music it's donations it's uh packages it's it's anything you want it to be it's the best part about it mm-hmm. and um i don't think we have oh we do have one screen mail oh well if we want anymore you know it'd be really nice if people would give us a call at 612-263-7999 hey uh behinds yeah there's a uh covert scheme mm-hmm. in the works uh you could call it uh illuminate if we wanted to um Basically, the only way to pay off $31 trillion in debt is through inflation. It sucks balls, but welcome to your future. They're really trying to fucking inflate their way out of this. I don't know who needs to hear it. Uh, if you've invested in assets, um, let's, let's say my house, my home was worth 2.5 million, then inflation adjusted over the 30 year mortgage, which I continue paying on, I would only pay 
the inflation adjusted amount of 1.5 million or uh, vice versa and all these bullshit uh, debts that the country might have accrued. Um, yeah, it's, it's a definite underhanded scheme. The modern slash average person would really have no fucking concept of. Thus, the Illuminati continue. Indeed. Adios, fuckers. Screamed! <laughs> mm. Thank you for the knowledge and the scream. Dollar. Oh, shit. It didn't oh. hang up. There you are. Yes, I believe uh, the special agent, Dr. Sir Mike Crotch, uh, calling in with, uh, investment tips. Yes. <laughs> A little lesson in uh, economics for you real quick. <laughs> 101 crash course. Can I can I give caller a little bit of money karma? Oh yeah. Here comes the money. Here we go. Here comes the money. Here comes the money. Mm-hmm. Shot caller. Mm, money printer go burr. Burr. <laughs> federal unreleased. Wait. Federal unreserved? Yes. There you go. Gosh, words are hard so early in the day. No doubt. As you know, I don't start getting my power until the sun goes down. Yeah, it's uh, it's about 7.07 here in the Miniocalypse, and it is definitely mm. dark outside. Oh, it's getting there. See, it's still bright here. I live, I'm living in the past, man. Mm. Over here on the bereft coast. Now, um, you had mentioned something about open phone lines earlier. Was that something you were still interested in? Well, I suppose we could open the phone lines if uh might be interesting. Yeah. All right. Let me uh Why not? Let me go ahead and get that started. And uh phone lines are open. Six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. Is that number? Mm-hmm. Now, if I may I'd like to take you on a strange journey. Ooh. I have a story I'd like to tell you. Yes. About a lady named Magdalena Solis. She was born in the 1930s in absolute poverty in a dysfunctional family in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, in, in the 1930s. Oh, caller. Hello, <laughs> caller. You're on the air. Caller, can you turn down the Hellmouth? Caller, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, Caller. Yes. We appreciate that. Very incredibly spooky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Consider me tickled. Yeah. That's, uh, spicy little demon screeches. Yeah. I felt that one in my jowls and in my bowels. <laughs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous, Caller. Yes. <laughs> So this gal in Mexico, uh, she had a hard life. She ended up getting into prostitution at a young age. Her brother was her pimp, uh, Elazar. Uh, and that was her situation until 1963 when she met two petty uh, con men. 
You see, they were out in the middle of nowhere. They're in this very, very small, small little hamlet in uh, rural Mexico, uh, in a marginalized community of about, oh, 20-something families. And uh, these uh, brothers, these, these con men, the Hernandez brothers, uh, they had uh, gotten into the cult business. And as you know, Booberry, as we've talked about on the show before, making a cult can be a way to what some might call a financial success. <laughs> yes, very lucrative at times. Indeed. And sometimes these cults seem to be made with the intention of making money and of uh, having power over a certain group of people uh, in, a, in a large way. So these con men, they made their way out into this little uh, village and they sold themselves as prophets. Now, all these, uh, these villages, they're underneath all of these big mountains and all these mountains have these big caves. And the caves, there, there were tales, there were myths of long lost treasures and gold uh, and gods that, that lived in these caves in the mountains. And these prophets, so as they said, said that they were communicating with certain Aztec gods in the caves, and that in exchange for the villagers' total obedience to their will, they would bring them treasure of the gods. So for a while, they had this going. They had the villagers in this Yerba Buena community um, as slaves, and they had a lot of, I guess, weed, cannabis, and they had a lot of peyote on hand. And they would uh, provide these drugs and they would take the villagers into the caves and they would have narcotic-fueled orgies. Whoa. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, all, all to appease, of course, the gods who demand this of their, of their people. Quote-unquote, oh no. Quote-unquote, oh gosh. <laughs> you know, because there's just really nothing else going on. There's no television just nothing going on. So, you know, got, there's no TikTok. Ain't got nothing better to do. Let's go have a cave orgy. Let's go have a cave orgy. Cave orgy! Woo! Hey, yeah! That's, the history of man can be boiled down to a cave orgy, really. You know? We all started in a cave somewhere. That's not a bad point. Yeah? Yeah. Well, you know, we like to get philosophical on the show. Yeah. Uh, but um, after a while... These guys, you know, they were kind of running what one may call a, a Ponzi scheme or pyramid scheme or something. Because they would have these guys do all the stuff. They'd do the orgies. They would appease the prophets. But these prophets, you know, they couldn't come up with any gold. There wasn't uh, a whole lot of treasure coming out of those caves, you know, no matter how much they orgied. And uh, these guys were starting to find themselves in somewhat of a pickle. They needed to change their game plan. They needed to to create some more spectacle. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Aztec, uh, the Aztec religion in general, but, you know, the, the most famous image of that sort of thing is of the big pyramids and of the human sacrifices that would happen at the top uh, to appease their gods. And a lot of these human sacrifices were um, neighboring communities, neighboring, uh, you could call them nations or kingdoms, that they would perpetually be at war with, and they wouldn't wipe them out entirely. They would just kind of decimate the population and uh, take back a bunch of prisoners, but still leave people around so that they could make more slaves in the future. <laughs> pretty, pretty sick, twisted stuff. <laughs> but this is the 
uh, template that these guys have gone with. And this is the time and place. So they decide they need to include some more spectacle. They go to the nearest large city of Monterrey, and they start looking for a lady who may uh, pose as an Aztec goddess, which I believe, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's Quatilicu. And uh, so they, they find Magdalena, and they basically sell her on this idea. They go, okay, we're going to bring you back to this little village. We're going to dress you up as this goddess, and then we're going to act like we're your high priests. And um, we're going to give you directions, and you you know we just do this whole theater of the mind thing, and it's going to... We'll give you your cut, and we'll all live like uh, gods in this little village. And uh, what, what do you think she thought about that? I'm assuming that she was very much into it. She was down to clown. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> she, she was saying, sign me the fuck up. Let's do it. Oh, give it to me. So they took her back to the village. They dressed her up. And then they did this big elaborate cave ritual uh, where they, you know, made a bunch of smoke. And they got everybody really high. And then from the smoke appeared Magdalena dressed up as the uh, reincarnated Aztec goddess, Quatiliku. And uh, all the, and then her brother, the pimp, also became a high priest. So these three guys are <laughs> the high priest hanging out. Oh, we're getting visions from the gods. But, as sometimes these things do when you're, when you're rolling on success, some of this goes to her head, and Magdalena starts doing a lot of peyote and smoking a lot of grass, and she took her role very seriously. And she began to very much believe that she was the reincarnation of this Aztec goddess. She soon took control of the cult and uh, took it into an even darker and more historical direction where they start having uh, real blood sacrifices. They start with goats and then eventually they upgrade to, you know, the villagers. And there aren't that many of them. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But for the ones that I guess the the village really didn't like, the, maybe they were the, the, the lame people of the village. They're the ones, I guess, who were offered up. And, uh, and then people who would betray her, people who would question the cult, uh, the cultists would, would maybe turn their back on her. They would then be sentenced to death uh, through lynching, through um, having their heart torn out, oh, burning. Kind of like this. Carve it up. Yep. Wow. Carve them like bumpkins. <laughs> uh, beatings, burnings, cuttings, maimings, bleedings. The blood was then collected in a chalice. It was mixed with chicken blood and drank. Ooh. Uh, and of course, there was some peyote in there as well. Wow. So it gave all the villagers supernatural powers. <laughs> smoking, smoking cactus rolls and drinking blood. I mean. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like a getaway. It was a tropical paradise for some. And they had a bunch of weed, apparently. Apparently, they just had pounds and pounds of dope, dope grass. Yes, indeed. So this went on for a little bit uh, until a 14-year-old boy named Sebastian uh, happened to stumble upon the cult one day. He was walking around out in the jungle, and he came across a cave where he heard some noises. And he heard some screaming, and he came up and he saw the uh, the ecstasy and the drinking of human blood and the spectacle, 
and the goddess herself. And he got very scared and he ran off and he ran, I think like 50 miles or something was the nearest police station way out there. He ran 50 miles <laughs> to the police station and convinced a, uh, an officer to come back with him to check out the cult. Both of them went off and were never seen ever again. Ooh. The boy and this, and this police officer. So now shit's hitting the fan. Can I? The police. Can well, I ask yeah. a question real quick? Surely. Uh, did they ever cannibalize people? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, they, well, they drank their blood, which I consider cannibalism. Oh, uh, I mean, it's but kind of. But you're talking a, about eating the flesh, though. Yeah, I mean, flesh will grow back, but at a slower rate. Uh, I, I think you could, I think you could realistically consensually drink somebody's blood without like raising too many eyebrows. Sure. But then if you were to take that first bite and it kind of brings it into the next level, you know, it's getting in up, <laughs> upwards of like level eight, level nine foreplay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just kink at that point. You know, it's, it's a very extreme kink, but it's a kink nonetheless. Mm. Yes. Devouring flesh. I would say, yeah, it's probably. I think they eat the hearts. That's definitely something that they do. In the old Aztec tradition, they would eat the heart because that would, you would get the strength from the heart. Mm, mm-hmm. That would make sense. It's all about the blood and the heart. And that's, it's, you, you find that again and again. Blood is always the, it's and always the, the thing. It's always at the heart of the matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I'm just going to hit hit my cigarette. Lean back and enjoy that one. Just three beats? Yeah. <laughs> oh, three and done. Okay, for, very for, well. For one, two, three, you know? Mm, mm, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it says Get- heartbeat loop, but it's only one pump, so unless I want to sit here and keep pumping it. <laughs> Damn. One pump chump. I know. No deal. Well, technically, it was two pumps and a wiggle. <laughs> two pumps and a... <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, please continue. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to chime in on this story, you can call 612-263-7999. Now, the police have to take this seriously. One of their own is missing. So, they get in uh, together with the army. And I don't know if you know the Mexican army, but they're pretty intense. They get together at the end of May, and they come and find these guys. They go to this village, and they find Magdalena and her brother... Uh, on a pot farm and they have giant amounts of, of weed and uh, they arrest them on, on pot charges. <laughs> Got him. Classic. Got him. <laughs> Easy. There's always, there's always one way to get him. Easy. Potter I, taxes. <laughs> I can respect all this other stuff you're doing, but you yeah, the IRS wants to talk to you about this other yeah. stuff. The old IRS always, by the way, Adam and John, good luck with taxes after today. That'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, uh, they, the cops arrest them. They murder some of the other guys because they, they try to run, try to head for the hills. And then uh, I guess one of the high priest's guys was murdered. He, got, he actually was able to escape the police, but he was then murdered by one of the other cultists because that cultist was, was pissed that he was rejected. He was refused promotion to the high priesthood uh, i guess everybody in the village wanted to be a high priest 
but only the three guys in the, in the center could actually pull it off, you know? Yeah. The racket. The three high pimps. The three high pimps. Uh, so after the main characters are arrested, well, the rest of the cult, I guess, doubled down, and they had themselves a nice little Waco situation where they barricaded themselves in the caves, and they engaged in a full shootout with the police and the military. And most of these cultists uh, were shot. <laughs> I was going to really ask, did they puncture the cave wall with a tank and pump CS gas straight into the, <laughs> the tunnel <Yeah>. system? <laughs> did they hose in napalm? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they probably just had crappy guns. They went in there and they fired crappy guns at them and eventually everybody, you know, gave up. Whoever wasn't shot, they were gave up and, and they were sentenced to, you know, life in prison. And uh, the the, this lady, Magdalena Solis, they don't have a lot of records on her. As a matter of fact, they only have one picture of her. One photograph that they assume is her, but they aren't 100% sure. And uh, in the show notes, you can find a sort of artistic uh, rendering of that one image with some kind of Mexican culty images in the background. And she, guess what happened to her? She was shot by one of her cult members. Mm, maybe it could be, could be, but the truth is, is they don't know. Oh, they don't know what happened to her. She was sentenced to 50 years in prison, but nobody knows if she died in prison or if she got out. She just kind of disappeared off the radar. Mm, vanished. They, yep, in the sands of time. And you know, this wasn't even really that long ago. This is like in the early 60s. But because it was in rural Mexico, you're operating in a different system. They looked through the uh, caves and all of the, uh, the, you know, the sacred areas, and they found the dismembered bodies of eight victims. But they assumed that there was more. Maybe as much as 15. And in a village of 50 people, that's a lot of goddamn people. You lose half your village. Yeah. Oh, Magdalena. The the high priestess of blood, that's what they call her. And they she's known as uh, one of the few female serial killers who killed uh, with uh, like a sexual motive. <laughs> Sorry. that's. Uh, I'm just, I'm reading through these and it's like, Oh my God, he is eating her face. Oh, oh my God, that is deliciously disgusting. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I like what Servo says in the chat. She was probably eaten. Yeah, probably. I mean, that, I, I think that that's appropriate. Well, and think about this. If these cult members are uh, truly wacky enough, then I could see them feeling like they would empower themselves by eating this uh uh, mortal deity. Yeah, you eat the goddess, and then you get the the good powers. <laughs> yeah, the really high octane shit. Yeah, well, these these guys were wasting their time eating a bunch of you know janitors. The the village janitors. You should be eating the goddess. Yeah. Do you know how different Jeffrey Dahmer's life would have ended up if he had ate Deborah Harry, for example? Yeah. Maybe. Well. He, He'd have been cut right away, wouldn't he? <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, totally yeah. different. 
But yeah. think of the level of infamy. <laughs> you would have two Netflix shows. Oh my goodness. Oh, old Dahmer. By the way, we still got to watch that uh, that Forsyth Gacy movie. Mm, mm, mm. Got to put that on the list. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put that on the list right now. We have a list of movies. If uh, if anybody wants us to watch uh, some spooky, weird movie, we do movie nights every now and again. Mm-hmm. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is also on the list. Yeah. Very important. What was the... Yeah, just remind me what the name is later uh, after we get done. I'll have to look it up myself. I forget. Yeah. That was such a fun, <laughs> fun memory for me. Old Crypticon. Uh... Anyway, that's uh, that's Magdalena Solis disappeared forever. I figured Juicy. it's Halloween. I'd want to. I wanted to bring up, uh, you know, fun characters. Yeah, colorful that, characters. Colorful characters and and cultists. Gosh, we sure do love talking about cults. Splat, splatter, splat. How about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. do you, do you, it's it's the wet cult fall. <laughs> damn dave damn dave <laughs> damn Isn't damn like Daniel? damn combining two memes <laughs> i know Silver you like to gold. get wet dog <laughs> i don't know you like to get wet daniel damn mm. it's wet everywhere yep well that's all the goats you can always boost the 66 66 and make it even wetter yeah, we had a boost come in from Billy Bones, 3333 through Founds, and he said, a couple of pros run this podcast. Oh, Aww. Billy Bones is a pro. He, he does a walk through the mind, and if you uh, haven't heard that one, you should check it out. Yeah, I caught his little spooky read during the rock and roll pre-show at Darren O this morning before No Agenda. He did a short little story, The Girl with the Green Ribbon. Oh, nice. Yeah, classic story. Nice. Yep, we need more of that. We need more live uh, spooky stories being read. I, always I would have, have done one myself, but we didn't have enough time. No doubt. That's, uh, eh. uh, do you? What is your take on the history of Halloween? Mm, it's definitely a westernized uh, pagan tradition, I would mm-hmm. imagine. If I had and to s- sum it up in a sentence. That's, and westernized is, is what I'll stick to there. It, people think that it really did start in the, I don't know, the Christian world, uh, the pagan Christian connection. But it turns out that Halloween, or I should say a period of time where cultures celebrate the dead, is way more universal than I kind of thought originally. I thought it was a Western thing too. But Randall Carlson, the great Randall Carlson, uh, actually did a little... uh, sort of talk about the history of Halloween and it's, it's quite a, quite a bit of a lecture. It's probably an hour and a half and I only took, you know, three or four small clips of that hour and a half, but it's available on YouTube for um, the after on the after school channel, which is a great channel. It has a lot of visual aids. So and an artist goes through the lecture and basically does whiteboard renderings of the lecture. Mm-hmm. And it's uh it's, it's really cool to watch. Randall Carlson, who's a, a wonderful, uh, I don't know, paleontologist, I guess, or something, uh, a, a studier of human history and of human 
uh, and timelines, long timelines. He had some interesting things to say about Halloween. And I'd like to uh, top off the evening with uh, some words of Randall Carlson. If you'll play Hallow's Eve 1 Origins. On Halloween, when the festival of the dead commenced, quote, the spirits of the dead wander more than at any other time of the year. This is a night when devils, witches, and other mischief-making beings are all abroad on their baleful midnight errands. This is a 19th century commentary on Halloween. And this is from the Encyclopedia Britannica, 1963 edition. I like to go back to some of the older uh, encyclopedias sometime because they're not so politically correct. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) In its strictly religious aspect, this occasion is known as the Vigil of Hallow Mass or All Saints Day. November 1st, observed by the Roman Catholic and Anglican churches. In Great Britain, Ireland, and the United States, ancient Halloween folk customs persist alongside the ecclesiastical observance. The occasion shows clear connections with the religion of the Druids in pre-Christian Ireland and Scotland. The Celtic year ended on October 31st, the eve of Samhain, and was celebrated with both religious and agrarian rites. For the Druids, Samhain was both the end of summer and a festival of the dead. The spirits of the dead were believed to visit their kinsmen in search of warmth and good cheer as winter approached. It was also an occasion when fairies, witches, and goblins terrified the populace. Bonfires were lighted on hilltops on the eve of Samhain. The tendency to manipulate rather than to celebrate folk festivals such as Halloween is characteristic of the 20th century. It reflects the growing influence of a rational outlook on life and the loss of interest in imagination and fantasy. The secular character of contemporary culture is also reflected in public neglect of the religious significance of Halloween as well as in progressive loss of its folk vitality. Children are least affected by this disenchantment and consequently the more important folk occasions tend to be dominated by the young. Now this quote kind of was a a, a foretaste of this growing influence of the rational outlook on life that we saw expressed through the previous quote that essentially denied to Halloween any significance at all. Um, And yet here it is, anyone who takes even the most cursory look at it realizes that it has this connection with this, the three-day religious festival of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints, and All Souls' Day. And the quote he's talking about earlier, which I didn't include, uh, is... uh, the modern take on Halloween is it's not doesn't mean anything. It's just a completely useless and traditionless holiday where kids get to dress up and eat candy. And there is no history with Halloween. It would be Big Sugar's holiday, Day of Worship. Mm. And fentanyl. Yes. <laughs> Big Fentanyl's Day of Worship. Yes, Big Fenty is on the scene. And uh, I think that, that Big Candy, the mm. real reason we have... Uh, daylight savings. Big razors. Big razor blade. 
Big razors. Yeah. You know, this candy brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> check your check your candy kids. Make sure to ask for consent before you get boosted. Uh so the uh origins were hitherto unknown, but now we have a pretty good idea of what they are. You play Hallow's Eve 2. This is from the work of Robert Grant Halliburton, uh, who was a interesting person, uh, a scholar, um, a poet. Oh, what were his attainments? Uh, he was a researcher and wrote quite a bit. Um, but anyways, let's see, this is what Wikipedia says about him. He was a Canadian lawyer and an anthropologist. He became famous after founding the Canada First organization that saw English-Canadian society as the heirs of Aryan Northmen. Um, so he was a bit of a racist, but that was normal back in those days. But he very was a, back a, then. a very extensive author who wrote numerous pamphlets, uh, books. He gave addresses and papers in a variety of subjects. So anyways, we're going to be looking at one of the things that he did. This is from... The New Materials for the History of Man, number one, The Festival of the Dead, was published in 1868. So having had, rather unexpectedly, to visit England in 1859, I thought it advisable to prepare a brief paper for the Society of Antiquaries of London, and accordingly selected customs connected with All Souls Day as a subject. On outlining it in England, it was apparent that the coincidences in the observance of this festival by different nations were much more striking than I had supposed. A new and most startling fact was discovered when I came to read over the paper I had prepared. It was singular that the festival of the dead amongst the ancient Peruvians was celebrated on the same day as by the Spaniards, that is, on All Souls Day, November 2nd. I had also considered this merely as a curious coincidence, but it was apparent on reading over the results of my investigations that the festival was generally observed in November south as well as north of the equator, a fact so remarkable that it was evident that whatever could be the cause, it must be something hitherto unknown. Mm. Some sort of a visual or, or overwhelming reason why. It's funny that the Spanish come to conquer the uh, the South Americans, and they're like, oh, you, you celebrate Halloween too? <laughs> we also celebrate Halloween. Wow, what a coincidence. That's crazy. Hmm. Oh, my God. And on both uh, uh, the Northern and the Southern Hemisphere, which is even more bizarre. Hmm. A time to celebrate the dead. Yeah, it's always a good time. No doubt. And it turns out that it goes far beyond the paganism in the, in the, in the Christian world. turns out that uh, it, it's everywhere and, and stretches back a long ways the more that this guy does his research. If you play Halloween's three, universality. So from 1859 until the present year, so this is nine years later, all the leisure that could be spared from public and private engagements has been devoted to to the inquiry. It was evident that the uniformity could not have been caused 
or been preserved by any calendar now known to us, and that the festival must originally have been regulated by some visible sign or mark that nature had supplied to our ancestors and the Peruvians. In European calendars, the last day of October and the first and second days of November are designated as the festivals of All Halloween, All Saints, and All Souls. Though they have hitherto never attracted any special attention and have not been supposed to have been connected with each other, they originally constituted but one commemoration of three days' duration, known amongst all nations as the Festival of the Dead or the Feast of the Ancestors. It is now, or was formerly, observed at or near the beginning of November by the Peruvians, the Hindus, the Pacific Islanders, the people of the Tonga Islands, the Australians, the ancient Peruvians, the ancient Egyptians, the northern nations of Europe, and continued for three days among the Japanese, the Hindus, the Australians, the ancient Romans, and the ancient Egyptians. The startling fact that this feast was celebrated among the ancient Peruvians at the same period and on the same day that Christians solemnized the commemoration of the dead at once drew my attention to the question, how was this uniformity in the time of observance preserved? Not only in far distant quarters of the globe, but also through that vast lapse of time since the Indo-European first inherited this primeval festival from a common source. Mm-hmm. So it kind of whispers in, into the Atlantean sort of area. With There was a big resounding event that happened a long, long time ago that still reverberates through the eons and is shown all over the world. India, Juicy. Egypt, ancient Rome. Uh, Halloween is big, baby. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. Nope. It's a big, big deal. And everybody celebrated it. And uh, when it comes to Carlson, you know, Carlson's big thing is ELEs, uh, extinction level events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Floods and whatnot. Exactly. Floods and fire uh, are the, the big themes that you see in a lot of mythological works, these are the two methods in which the world is destroyed. Uh, with water, you have a deluge or a great flood. And then with fire, you have comets or you have volcanoes or you have fires, you know, arson. <laughs> these are the ways that there's mass destruction had uh, beyond a human comprehension. And his, his, his last thing, this will be the last clip that I play on this, but he sort of alludes to to that, to, to the holiday and to the, the time reminiscing upon some great event that happened. Uh, maybe even a deluge if you play Hallow's Eve 4. In the most ancient calendar in India, the year commenced in the month of November, which bears the name Kartagui, which means the Pleiades, a constellation which must, by its rising or setting at that time, once have regulated the primitive year. We find also that in the month of October, the Hindus, like ourselves, have three days which are connected with the festival of the dead. In the ancient Egyptian calendar, the same resemblance can be traced between the name of the Pleiades, 
which among the Hebrews and Chaldeans is Athori, with that of the Egyptian month of November, which is Athor. The Arab name for the Pleiades, Ataria, also suggests a resemblance. Halliburton goes on, Let us turn from the islands of the Pacific to Peru, and there we find the primitive calendar of two seasons marked by a New Year's festival of the dead occurring in November and celebrated at precisely the same time as in Europe and in Polynesia. Is it not somewhat startling to find that Australian savages at or near the time of Halloween, All Saints and All Souls, also consecrate three days to the memory of the dead as a vernal New Year's celebration regulated by the time-honored Pleiades? And like the Northern Festival of the Dead beginning in the evening, or with a Halloween, in the Tonga Islands, which belong to the Fiji group, the festival of Anachi, a vernal first fruit celebration, and also a commemoration of the dead, takes place towards the end of October and commences at sunset. A remarkable fact, however, was incidentally forced upon my attention that the memory of the deluge was by the Mexicans, the Egyptians, and the Jews associated with the same time of the year and by the two latter nations as well as in Greece. And with that day, I had found some very peculiar superstitions connected in the Pacific Islands as well as among most ancient nations. Among the Aztecs as well as the Egyptians, the deluge was commemorated at the beginning of the year of the Pleiades when that constellation culminated at midnight. Now this is a very interesting connection, which brings us right back to something that I've been, the study of which I've been involved with for decades. And this is the myths and legends of the world-destroying floods, the cataclysmos of the ancient Greeks, the Noachite flood of the, the ancient Hebrews, uh, the Christians and the and the Muslims. Hmm. I wonder if there's any connection there to the Book of Enoch. Sounds Ooh. similar enough. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I don't know how uh, sort of death worship is worshipy that book is. <laughs> mm. well, it's, it's a little deathy from what I recall. Uh, yeah. Um. Halloween being this universal thing that everybody celebrates, that everybody kind of taps into at the same time of year, celebrating the dead, and then to tie it to the Pleiades, which we've always, the Pleiades is, is the most spooky of all of the clusters of stars. And uh, shout out to They Live, of course. Mm. All the aliens in They Live come from the Pleiades. <laughs> and the Pleiades um, are traditionally located on the shoulder of Taurus. And in a lot of ancient um, drawings and, and graphics you find of Taurus is depicted as far back as thousands of years ago in cave paintings that the Pleiades is a sort of a, a an accessory to Taurus. Oh, the bull. All right, all right. Yeah. That's yeah, a little Satan-y. A little Moloch. Gets a little Satan-y, for sure. And, uh, and sun worship is in there as well. One of the most obvious ways that Halloween could be a universal thing is it's just, in the Northern Hemisphere at least, it's the time of year where uh, 
summer is obviously over and winter is coming. And for any, you know, any uh, rural society or any ancient or I don't know, non-technologically advanced society, that's a huge, huge deal. Oh, you know, you're, th- you're talking about. Oh, the harvest moon. Oh, yeah, baby. We're not just harvesting crops. Mm-mm. No. We harvest man. <laughs> Gotta sop up all that blood. Yeah. We really do, though. Yeah. Floor's getting, floor's getting a little uh, crusty. Uh, next time, tile. Just a reminder. Gotta get tile in the green room. Uh, anyway, this, I, like I said, it's, it's an awesome, really well done lecture. Um, of course, if you want to, you can listen it like time and a half or whatever, and it'll have visual aids and all that stuff. If you want to go check it out? That is in the show notes. Randall Carlson, if you're not familiar with his work, then you are to be. And he has some really uh, interesting things to say about Halloween, which it almost is. It's almost Halloween. So that's so cool. It's a hour and eighteen minutes of after school animating this. That's awesome. I really yeah. enjoy this channel. Uh, yes. Makes it easy for the math man to consume. Oh, if you're a visual learner, then it's it's great because it goes through some pretty thick topics, and <laughs> a lot of it is just lectures. I mean, they have a ton of Alan Watts. They have uh, they have a graduation speech that Chappelle gave at a college once. That's really excellent and profound. There's all kinds of of really good stuff on that channel, and this is definitely up there. It's and they love thick. Randall. It's super thick. <laughs> way too thick. <laughs> way too thick. Whoa, 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 buddy. That's that's too thick. <laughs> is is this <laughs> thick enough for you? Mega master double thick. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get that coffee double thick? Mega master No, oh, I can't I can't double like this one. <laughs> can't double double thick. I know. Oh my god. Uh, yes. Uh, anyway, that's my brush up on Halloween and then a spooky character that I brought for Halloween. And then there was, uh, some, some really rough Halloween, uh, uh, there's a big tragedy that happened in Seoul in, in South Korea that I don't think I'd like to get into because it's kind of morbid, but let's just say that they're partying really hard over there now mm. that everyone's allowed to go outside again. Yeah, I heard it was, uh... Something along the lines of a crowd crush uh, scenario. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've got one clip on it. It's not too long. Uh, Korea crush one. South Korea declaring a national period of mourning after a deadly crowd surge killed at least 153 people who were out celebrating Halloween in the capital of Seoul. We have to warn you, some of the images we're going to share are graphic. Uh, Authorities are still investigating exactly what caused this crowd crush. But emergency officials first began receiving reports of people buried in crowds on Saturday evening. There were thousands of people out that night in an area of the city with very narrow streets, as you can say. They're packed in alleys. And witnesses say people were trapped and panicked because they couldn't breathe, with dozens of people being administered CPR on the sidewalks. 
it seems as if this may have simply been a case of so many people so excited to be out for the first Halloween after COVID restrictions. So three years of restrictions and people were packing into this area. There's your creepy story for Halloween kind of stuff. Kind of type stuff. <laughs> Motherfuckers dying. Yep. Ooh, a lot of people. More COVID deaths. Yeah. <laughs> Died with or from? <laughs> Both. Ah. Uh, but uh, m- anyway, my heart goes out to to them, and I mean, obviously, it's it's awful, and it just happened in the last twenty four hours or whatever. So, just a lot of spooky stuff happened in this Halloween. I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody is uh, smart and wise. Don't party too hard, and if you do. Do it behind closed doors with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, I was going to say, don't find yourself in the masses. Find yourself in a black mass or a holy mass or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go make your own sex cult. Mmm. And then you'll be okay. Yeah. Members only. Mmm. It's thick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, I think that's all I have uh, for, for the day. Right on. Uh, we don't have any other scream mails. Uh, I suppose I'll go ahead and shut down the phone lines as we wind this production to a close. And this yes. is this has been episode one twenty three of Behind the Schemes. Uh, why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about us while I get this uh, turned off here? Well, as I said, it's episode one two three Behind the Schemes. We are a value for value production, which means that we don't have ads. We don't have any corporate sponsorship whatsoever. We're in no one's pocketbook. We uh, do the show ourselves. It is it is publicly supported by you and those who listen. If you if you're so much as listening to the show, guess what? You're already a producer. So you might as well just make it a fish. And you can uh, send us information. You can converse with us. You can email us at uh, boo at behindtheschemes.com or lavish at behindtheschemes.com. And if you uh, feel so generous as to give us any sort of financial contribution. You can do that either through PayPal, and you can do that at our website at BehindTheSchemes.com with threes for ease and schemes. Or you could be really cool, and you could get a new podcast app and join the podcasting 2.0 revolution, and you can boost us, and uh, we'll be, you'll be able to slaughter goats and put them back together again. And I think that's definitely worth the price of admission. Mm. Boost me, bitch. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we're live every single Monday night, every single Monday night at 730 uh, Pacific, 930 Central and 1030 Eastern. Yeah, definitely come hang out on spook.social. It's a Mastodon account that we run and there's almost no rules. Hey, mm. almost, almost. It's a, it's a lot of fun. I'm very much uh, enjoying it. And that's, and that's, uh, uh, that has been provided by the support of uh, Freaks of Hazards like you. Freaks Fences, like here. And you can join us in our chat room, which is the most fun of all. If you uh, go to get an IRC client, you can find us at irc.zeronode.net. And you go to hashtag green room, one word. Green room. Hang out with us. You chat. We got, we got 42 trolls in there right now. It's the answer to life and everything. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I love it. For your good health. Only the healthiest. Oh, you're such a healthy boy, aren't you? 
Oh, the Gimp's a healthy boy. Oh my goodness, Gimpy. Mm, bully, Dame Bully Seed had to, had to zap the Gimp on the way out of the door. <laughs> uh, well, Dame Bully... Oh, you know what? I, uh... I, we almost missed a Boostagram from, uh... From Nam. Juicy. For Nam. 6, 6, 66 out of Fountain, he said, Felt Goatsy might delete later. Hashtag Gap. And you know what he's got to say? Listen to Behind the Schemes if you want me, Dan Gehring, to slaughter a goat. Delicious. Mmm, delicious. Yeah. And 8888 from Bully Steed. Squeeze it in right there at the end. Don't party with the rookies. Uh, good advice from Captain Oblivious. Mmm. Hashtag Gape. 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 <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty gay. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not gaped or anything. <laughs> not yet, at least. <laughs> well, if it isn't the gape parade, <laughs> the gape parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, uh, we're a bunch of sick, twisted bastards, and uh, thank you, No Agenda Stream, for having us. And thanks, of course, to Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak, Eric the Shill. Uh, Sir Bemrose, Darren O'Neill, and everybody who kind of does things around here. Yeah, the NA Nation, man. The NA Nation, strong and alive and well. Yeah, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow night with Light Bright. We got episode 124, and uh, we got some more Halloween coverage going for you, so stay tuned for that one. Indeed, and I'll be calling in and saying weird things on the phone line, so you don't want to miss it. Tune in tomorrow night, every Monday night, 7.30, 30, 10.30. Mm, and I only ever had one rule ever, and that was don't make it weird. This has been Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And where it always gets weird on Mischief Night, all the way from the Breath Coast, I have been lavish. And they start the show just by killing goats. Did you want chaos karma? Podcasting 2.0. Yes, nudepodcastapps.com. This is like uh, three more days till Halloween, Silver Shamrock. I'm telling you, something's bad. I don't like it. What is this gumby outfit I'm wearing? Now what the fuck am I supposed to do? I don't want this guy to be seen as a boogeyman. Just, like, just, just do like a little, give him a wide berth. Give the gimp a wide berth and walk around. Go to the street. Oh, no! He said the man was unpredictable, flopping on the floor, writhing and grunting. Lizards really talk this way. This is Behind the Schemes. The Esoterica of your dreams. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a, you know, a bit of a, a punk rock moment like when you're performing live on TV and then you strip off all your clothes. That's, a, that's kind of like a big deal. I think that the censors might get involved.